Welcome to Fraud Busting. I'm Tracy Brown, the Fraud Busting Body Language Expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion dollar business deals. It's time to dive in so you can beat the fraudsters at their own game and build your bottom line. Ethical hacker Brian Self visits Fraud Busting today. We dive deep into how people have paid him to break into hospital and government systems, both online and in person, and how you can strengthen your systems to avoid being a victim. He reveals how to become a hacker yourself, of course, you'd only be the good kind, and gives inside information on the voting machine hacking in U.S. elections. This one's juicy. Now, make sure you check out the show notes for the link to Brian's info sheet, Seven Steps to Protect Yourself and Your Company from Hackers. Enjoy. Brian, thank you so much for coming on Fraud Busting. It's so great to have you. Finally, yes. <laughs> took a little convincing. It took a little bit of convincing. Um, yep. But, uh, you know, we've, I knew it wouldn't take too long because I know you because we've known each other for how long? Like 15 years, maybe? Or Yeah, probably that long. If yeah. Not, a little yeah. bit longer, but I don't want to age myself or yourself, you know, so. Well, I'm still 29. So we met when we oh. were, what? <laughs> I'm, going 20, I'm 21 plus or minus a lot. So. Oh, there you go. All yeah. right. All right. So, um, and this is super interesting because I've never really dug into what you do. Like I've no surface level. You're an ethical hacker. Yep. And I've known just bits and pieces of what you've been doing. And so let's just dive in because we're talking about fraud and all the ways that people can manage to steal money and which, um, it's probably the biggest thing, but also time and energy. So why don't you, what do you do all day? Let's talk about that or, or maybe how you're trained. I'll let you take it however you want. Well, what I do all day is I read about all the latest, greatest hacks and wonder who has all the time to find all these. But I mean, there are tons of different vulnerabilities, just different risks that are out there. So I'm reading about those every day. You know, I am bringing up systems, breaking them, taking them back down, testing them. I, I do that all the time. And Believe it or not, I do that for fun. So, you know, that's kind of the weird thing is, yeah, I'm one of those guys that likes to go in and know how things work. And, you know, I do call myself a hacker, but I do want to define the word a little bit different than what the media defines it. Yeah, let's, let, let's talk about that. So tell okay. us, tell us your definition and then how that parlays into how you make money from, sure. from that. Sure. Well, I define a hacker as somebody who is just curious. They want to know how things work. And years and years ago, it came from MIT with trains. You know, they would hack on the trains to get them to work, you know, solder different things, you know, put different things together. So that's kind of where a hacker came from. And it, I take it as it's this curiosity mindset. And the media has a little bit different view. They've kind of run with it that a hacker is a bad guy. But really, there's good and bad. Hence, you know, there's a white hat hacker and a black hat hacker. Yeah, yeah. Eddie Westerns, you got the white hat. That's a good guy. The black hat's the bad guy, right? Right. It's not as clear cut, but that's fundamentally where we kind of come back to with insecurity is are you a white hat hacker, black hat, or there are them, those that are gray hat that are kind of in between. You know, they oh. do some mischievous things, but try to do it for good too. So there's even the gray hats that are kind of in the middle. So. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's, so, so you got the bad guys, the good guys, and the guys that kind of are on the fence sometimes. Like what do those guys do? 
well, they, they do a little bit of everything. Uh, they'll, they'll go through and they'll do the vulnerability disclosures and they'll say, hey, I contacted this company and I found this thing and company X is fixing it. Well, they never really had permission to do that. So that's a little bit of a gray area. You know, the law says you really shouldn't hack without permission. And mm -hmm. that's where I really come back to ethical hacking is doing what I do with permission. So like for your site, if I don't just go out to your site and start, start dabbling around to see what I can find. I would seek your permission first. You know, we'd have some contracts in place so that you know I kind of have my get out of jail free card. So it is agreed that I can do these things legally, representing you and looking to see you know what what I might be able to find, say on your website or you know if it's a business network. That's where you know starts to make more sense for the scope too, is business wise. So you know a healthcare organization would hire me to come in and test their security controls. We have firewalls, we have antivirus, we believe we're safe and we're secure, nobody can get in. And then I guess a password in a minute, 10 minutes. So now let's, let's talk good. about that. Let's talk about guessing the password. Cause that's one thing. And cause remember we've had a conversation about this. Several. And <laughs> I, I believe there was, there was an executive who uh, almost didn't believe that, that you could do it, thought it was only exclusively for the bad guys. And then you guessed yeah. his password and that's how you got the job. And so what does that yeah. really take to, to do that? Well, there's a wonder of social media. So you know, take, take yourself as example. There's certain things that you're going to be interested in that you're going to talk about in social media. Well, I can farm those areas looking for keywords and try those as passwords. A lot of people use their pet's name, their daughter's name. The CEO that you're talking to, he used his daughter's name with a special spelling. Uh -huh. And he didn't really care that I was able to get in. But when I told him it was also his brokerage account, he was more interested. Oh, so, damn. And that's, that's the biggest thing I want to encourage everyone to do is don't share passwords. There's, there's, this, there's this technique where we take credentials and we just spray them out all over. And what we're doing is taking... Well, the good guys and the bad guys are taking these password dumps from like Yahoo, LinkedIn, uh, Capital One. There's been so many of them, right? Marriott, yeah. Marriott, yeah. That's a huge amount. And they're mm -hmm. taking all these usernames and passwords and they're, the bad guys are putting them into lists and just spraying them around and seeing where they work. So if you're re reusing passwords, they're finding them. And it's not so much that, that like yourself or your listeners are specifically being targeted it's just scale. So if I am the bad guy, I just want to spray these around and see where I can find stuff. And then from there, I'll go and figure out a way to monetize it. Because as you already said, that's really what organized crime is doing is they're monetizing what they're finding. The risk that they find, that's, that's what they're doing. They're figuring out ways to make money. And a lot of my speaking, as you know, Tracy, a lot of my speaking is to smaller groups that say, oh, well, we're not targets. Well, unfortunately, you're just a number to those bad actors out there, the bad hackers. You're, you're just, you know, like your mailing address. Well, if I'm doing a direct mail scam, I don't care who lives at 1123 Main Street. Mm -hmm. All I know is that's another address to send something to. Computers are very similar. We have addresses and all they're doing is just spraying around the addresses and they find, ooh, hey, there's an easy way to get in. I'm gonna go over there. And it's not so much that you're being targeted individually, Yet, as soon as I say that, there's, you know, some, some bad guys saying, oh, yeah, well, they're going to target me, right? So, you know, I want to be careful of that, too, because you don't want to be a target. You don't want to bring them in, either. Um, one friend of mine, he made a comment in a, uh, in a speech about how hackers were, and he inserted a word that starts with L and ends with AZ. So, you know, oh, 
and uh, oh, he Twitter storm and he started getting denial of service attacks. And so certain people pay attention and take things, certain things as challenges. You know, if you want to DOS my site, it'll go down in 30 seconds, no challenge there. But you know, if you want to try to hack other things of mine, well, yes, everybody has vulnerabilities. It's a matter of how much effort, how much time people want to put in. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the idea too, is to make your listeners so that they're not the low hanging fruit. So to go back to passwords, yes, I know it's a pain in the behind, but make sure every password is unique for every site that you have. Now I have three, 400 accounts. And so I use a thing called a password safe. And there's lots of tools that are great for this. You know, LastPass is one, uh, one password is another. There are tons of tools out there. And they're, they're great ways to store those passwords. So you never know. I, I don't even know what half of my passwords are. I just store it in this area and I just use it to paste it into the website, what have you. So I'm not really even knowing my website or my, my passwords. I highly recommend using those. And of course, multi-factor authentication. If uh, I think it's twofactorauth.net. And uh, you know, I can verify that and make sure that you get the right URL for it. Uh-huh. But that website will show you if your services that you're using on the internet allow some other factor besides password. Passwords yeah, I, I have one of those. Check, check out what I got from my uh, bank. Can you see it? It's yep. a it's RSA a fob, keyboard. and it changes every minute. This little code, yep. and um. I can take it with me on the road, but I don't. So it's only here in the office. So if I needed something on the road uh, with my banking, I'd have to call Matt and, um, and get him to, you know, real time the, the uh, code to me. But I think that's a soft token. That's a, that's considered a hard token. Okay. You can also have an RSA application that does the exact same thing, but it's considered a soft token. And that okay, wait, okay. Let, let's talk about this. Cause I don't know anything you just said. <laughs> Okay, good deal. We can break that down. What that device is, is it's considered a token. A token mm-hmm. is just, you know, anything. It could be just a little little secret key or secret handshake or, or something that just identifies you uniquely. Mm-hmm. And for authentication, there's three different ways that people typically do it. And I remember it with an acronym, HACK, H-A-K. So okay. it's something you have, something you are, or something you know. The key fob is something you have. Mm-hmm. That because it's physical is considered a hard token you can have that same idea just running on software on your phone or on your laptop and it's considered a soft token but it's still something you have then something you are like a fingerprint or a face print okay that's another way that we authenticate into phones too and then something you know which is the worst possible one and that's a password Mm -hmm. i recommend using a passphrase you know i My favorite one is, you know, I need to lose some weight with some special characters, uppercase, lowercase. You know, I like using passwords that mean something to me, remind me of a goal, you know, if I do want to lose weight. But the longer, the better for passwords. And if it's long, but it's something I can remember, and it's a sentence with spaces, Mm -hmm. great, great, because then I can remember it and it's easy. Then I can just use that one to get in my password safe and remember all the others. Got it. Got it. Okay. So almost now, how did, how did you, let's, let's back up a little bit. how did you get started into this ethical hacking thing? I mean, it's not something you can really go to college for like what, what now? Oh, you can't. Okay. Not when I started. Uh, When I started, I was a system administrator. So I, you know, I was hands to keyboard doing my best to maintain systems at a uh, local, 
Well, I live in Golden, so it's a local brewery that I'm really not going to name, but you can probably guess which one it is. So the, the local, the small little brewery in Golden. Yeah, that's got it. Where if, you know, take a sniff and you can smell the beer, right? Yeah, yeah. So I used to work there, and okay. I was a system administrator working with Windows systems, a little bit with Unix, and they had somebody come in one day, and my boss told me, okay, we're having we're having an audit. So if somebody comes in and they want to want to use your machine, it's okay. You can let them. And I'm like, yeah, that's funny. Like somebody want to use my machine. And so I, I go back to my cube and there's somebody standing there waiting to use my machine. And I'm like, really? And, he, and, he's, and he's a younger guy. And I'm like, okay. So I'm starting to get kind of arrogant because I'm kind of young guy too. And it's like, so yeah, what do you need? And he's, he's like, well, I just want to use your machine, but I want to check with you before I did. I'm like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. And I know it's locked. I know he can't get into it. He sits down and he gets into it. And he logs in as me. He logs in with my password and he just kind of the moves out of the way and he slowly types in my password and makes sure I'm watching and I'm just like, okay, you have my attention. Yeah. And he starts to show me all kinds of things. Oh, see, you kind of did this wrong here. So you need to secure this down. Oh, look at the permissions you have on these files. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. who are you? What are you doing? How, wait, this is my stuff. How do you know? And he just went through, we, for the next 15 minutes, we were, you know, just geeks loving it because he was uh -huh. showing me all this stuff about the network and, oh, watch this traffic and watch this. And I was hooked. It, it was, he was an ethical hacker. Was he I, wearing a hoodie? No hoodie. No. Oh. Nope, no, he was not. I don't know how legit this guy was. Business process. <laughs> I do have one behind me just in case for credibility. So. Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. You got to have that. But that's, that's how I started. And it was just the ooh and ah of, wait, you can't do that. Well, I just did. Well, you can't do that either. I just did. But, 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 and it's all the rules that I had in place and all the, I, I realized a lot of those, I knew how to bypass them, but I just wouldn't because, you know, you're not supposed to. Uh -huh. Well, that's what they would do is they would take those paths and show that people will do this. You need to secure this. You can't just trust people to be good. And a lot of security is, is kind of for show to make sure good people do what they're supposed to do, right? Keep the good people good. Well, there's a lot of that. And yep. it doesn't matter if it's uh, in person or online. Uh, that That's when, when I would work with a lot of uh, pro athletes, that's why they had managers manage their money. It was to keep the good people honest. It wasn't so much keeping the bad people out. So, so let's, let's talk about this a little more. What is the, toughest case you've worked on or the toughest contract that that you've had has there ever been any group that's hired you that you haven't been able to break into uh yes and no uh one of the harder ones was a, a large major major hospital chain back east and i had gotten in i had actually gotten through broke through different areas but I, was, I remember I was on a specific machine and they had no security. I couldn't find any security in place. So to me, it was like, woohoo, I got a playground. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And I start doing whatever I want. I'm downloading some tools and it's like, oh, I'm gonna use this to get deeper. And, and a little notepad pops up and it says, please tell me you're my pen tester. And it's like, oh, oh. I'm like, yes. Like I always oh. like, get very sheepish, I'm like, Oh, I got oh you got you got caught by their staff exactly breaking and, in and i was like yes i am and they're and they're like okay you need to call us and i, I so i call them 
and they're all laughing. They're laughing so hard. Because they caught like, you. Yeah, because they caught me. And because I was being so boisterous, I, there was nothing watching me. Well, lo and behold, they had a different mechanism that wasn't on the machine itself, but it was kind of overseeing the network. And these were virtual machines. So mm -hmm. it was actually in a thing called the hypervisor, which is kind of the brains for the virtual systems. That's what was watching the computers, but I had no access to it. So they could see what I was doing through there, recording all the different steps. And it's like, okay, wow, you're being pretty thorough because you did this, you did that, you did this. And I'm scanning them and I'm doing all these things thinking I have carte blanche. And that was one of the hardest ones because it's like, no, there's nothing here. I know I'm safe and I'm not. You know, for years I used to say that, that the offensive side was easier because all I had to do was find one way in. Uh -huh. But as I started to do more defensive stuff again, there's also some tricks for the offensive people. If they screw up once, the defenders can catch them. So wow. it's a very much a cat and mouse. So, if I make so, the wrong move, the defender's got me. But if huh. the defender makes the wrong move, I've got them. So, so if, if someone breaks into a hospital system, what's because you, you've heard of this, what's the most lucrative thing they can do? Well, right now it's ransomware, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Because if I, if I go for your EMR system and I encrypt it, and I say, hey, great, you're all back on paper until you pay me you know, X amount of Bitcoin, that's how criminals are making money off of healthcare right now. Mm -hmm. is they're encrypting systems and then they hold the key and they're like, if you want your data back, you're going to have to pay me. That's how they're monetizing it. And but some of them are paying, aren't they? A lot of them are. And they're also doing a thing called doxing, which is they gather all this information and then if they don't pay, and even if they do pay, they may just publish all this information out on the internet. So all the patient information, what's called PHI, uh, protected healthcare information, it gets published out there. Mm -hmm. So they get to see that, you know, my, you know, I had an infection on my finger and I had to go get whatever done or whatever. But usually it's a lot worse type conditions and things like that, that you don't want to have shared. Um, but a lot of different things I've done with hospitals are kind of scary. Like, like, like what? Let, let's dive in. Let's, let's not hold it back. Like to the extent that you, that you can't, I don't want to get you in trouble with your clients, but what, like, what's, what's the scariest thing you've done in a medical system? Well, play doctor. Just -uh. walk, right, walk right in and hi, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Dr. Self. I'm, I'm new. Uh, where is patient such and such file? Oh, it's over there. Okay. Thanks. And go over and get the file. So started. you did that in person. Oh yeah. You just impersonated the behind me. So with the, the security guy was hiding behind the, behind the wall saying, yeah, you can't do that. I was uh -huh. like, watch it. And it, nurses want to help. And there's, be it nurses and doctors, their relationships, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. A lot of times there's some animosity there, so they don't want to deal with the doctors. But it's, it's using social engineering. So getting, to people, getting people to do things otherwise wouldn't do. That's my simple definition for social engineering. Now, you know, the socialengineering.com guys, they'll, they'll want to expand that. But I see it as being just that. I'm getting somebody to do something that I always wouldn't do via emails, phishing, or in person. And in person, I can, I can tend to smile and people open doors. And I like that, but I really hate testing it because I'm a nice guy. I smile, people help me, and then I have to write them up for helping me. So oh, I damn. don't like doing that. At so, the same so time, don't hold doors question people. It's okay to challenge people who are coming into secured facilities that are carrying a box and a little bit of a red face. It's okay to ask them for ID. Yeah, they might have to put that box, that heavy box down, but you know, 
and the times that I would I would carry flowers and I'd be talking about my fiance and, and you know I'd always find that you know a couple of ladies going back in and preferably if they're older you know let's talk about my my fiance and oh how she's great and brought her some flowers and oh can you hold the door oh of course we can hold the door so now I'm in the building so all kinds of different things like that with hospitals they care they they want to support you they're, they're they're there to help you so it's very weird for them to confront somebody and say hey why are you looking at that file a lot of them are uncomfortable with that because they're there to help they i mean they're supporting us through all this through all all this pandemic that's going on right I, my heart goes out for them they're working tons of hours you know and then here somebody like me sneaks up and takes a file uh, you know now what did you do? so did they give you a doctor coat nope no nope. No. You just walked just up and said you were a doctor. Yep. And, and then, what, uh, what did you do then? I just walked away with the file and gave it to the security guy. So. Oh, okay. And she. So you didn't get into writing prescriptions or anything. No, no. Anything no. like that. Not, not, no, nope. not, oh not for this, not for these gigs. Wow. But, uh, now, now, how, how much do you do that? Because, because I, I know you've done a little bit of that, but mostly you're a systems. Well, I've done that for years. Uh -huh. uh, that's you know years years of that so that's for a typical hipaa assessment i'll look at that so you know hipaa is the health insurance portability accountability act right if I, if I got it right something like that yeah it's two a's not two p's but you know that's my little pet peeve hipaa not hipaa but anyway <laughs> so so for medical that's that's really where they're looking at is they do have some good regulations from hipaa they do have some good requirements to follow they have kind of a guide and that's doing a lot of testing for that, going in and showing where are you weak, you know, where are you not meeting the minimums, where do you need to strengthen your controls. So a lot of HIPAA assessments mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. testing, uh, you know, years and years of that as well. And that's that's the funner stuff where you know I can hack for my PJs at home and get into computer systems at you know who knows where, with permission. All agreed ahead of time, of course. So right, right. Now, what's the uh, most surprising case you've worked on, or a co or a contract that you've had? Well, when I was doing consulting to the government, so uh, I won't name the bureau or the organization, but uh -huh. I went to do a physical assessment and I walked around the back of the building, and there's smokers in the back. Uh huh. Really, there are, and that's what I always want to find. Where are the smokers at? And so oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the smokers, you know. I don't smoke, but if I light up a cigarette and I start chatting with them, they'll hold the door and I can go back in. So, you know. Oh, man. Because okay. I'm you know, and, and, you know, smokers are, they're kind of ostracized. So, you know, I fit in with that ostracized group because I'm out there smoking with them, right? So I'm uh -huh. one of the team, you know, I'm one of the gang. So they usually let me back in. So I always want to find the smokers. In this specific case, I found the smokers and there was a machine that was holding the door open so that they could get back in. And I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. It didn't look like a desktop. It looked like more of a server type class machine. Wait, they were using a server to prop the door open. Gets worse, yeah. Oh, keep going, okay, okay. So it, it was what's called a domain controller, which is the main machine for a Microsoft Windows network for uh -huh. Active Directory. That's where you log into, that's where it holds all the accounts, all the user information. That's the machine that was holding the door open. <gasps> so they had, two servers at this office one was that the domain controller and the other one was their file server so they since the domain controller was a little bit smaller they just wheel it out there and, and hold the door open with so i could have just grabbed it and ran off with their entire active directory which of course tied to the department which tied into others so easy peasy 
that one was a rather shock because it's like, wait, this isn't supposed to be this easy. Wow. But once I have physical access, the, the rule in security is once you have physical access to something, you own it. It may take me a little bit of time and yeah, I may have forgotten, you know, the super secret string to bypass passwords and I may have to Google, but if I have physical access, it's mine. And you know, there, where there's a will, there's a way. And if you have physical access, you have a lot of time and it's just your own persistence that stops you. Just, so, so you could have just brought that whole thing home and had access to a whole department, a whole government department of yes. not only in, like personal info, but all the records. Well, all their usernames and passwords, which yeah. is all I need. And then from there, once I get a username and password, somebody will be a domain administrator. So then I can just jump to their account and then I have access to everything. So every share that they have, everything that they've tightened down, well, a domain administrator has access to that. Mm -hmm. So I just go for that person's account. Mm -hmm. And now I just pretend to be them and get to see everything. So the oh, man. Stuff, the payroll. Sure, sure. All kinds of fun stuff. Wow. Okay. So easiest case you've ever worked on? One of my first ones, uh, that another hospital, oddly. Uh, and nothing, not to pick on hospitals, because there are some that are fantastic. Uh -huh. Others, they're just small. They don't have the staff. And, and I feel for them. You know, A lot of them are just tiny, and they're, and they're failing out in, in the sticks. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's tough to do security right. I mean, even for myself. But uh, this specific organization, they're like, okay, we've got three security guys. We've done everything. We've tightened this down. We've got all our firewall rules. We do pen tests every year. They never get in. You know, this is going to be probably the hardest one you ever do, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, all right. And they're like, but, but, you know, really like you. If you want some hints or something, feel free to give us a call. Like, <laughs> they, they offered to give you hints. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. And a lot of times it helps because for pen testing, a lot of times you, you narrow the scope down to here, but the mm -hmm. vulnerability is right there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, the staff, they know that sometimes and they can say, no, we want this tested. We want, we want to show the executives that somebody can get in. So a lot of times they do coach and, and that helps because it gets more, it gets more into the detail that they need. And I'm doing mm -hmm. these for the customer, not, not to prove I can get in. I'm doing it for the customer. And in this specific case, um, I sat down, I drafted my, my super little secret hacking email, which just has a signature file that has a picture. Mm -hmm. But the picture goes back to my server and my server says, oh, well, Tracy, I see you're wanting to download this very important picture, which doesn't exist, but you know, that's besides the point. Mm -hmm. But I see you're trying to download this picture. Could you provide some, some sort of authentication for me? I, I need you to log in. Can you just give me your Microsoft username and password? And your system goes, oh, well, sure, here you go. Here's my username and here is my, what will eventually become your password. It's encrypted mm -hmm. and it just sends that right over the wire to me. So I drafted that email, sent it to him. He, oh, of course, reads it because he's like, oh, oh, he probably already got in trouble. So he, he starts reading it and I see his username come up and I'm like, okay. And then there's this, what will eventually become his password. Grab that, put it into a tool called a password hacker or a password cracker. Mm -hmm. It starts just chewing away. Password crackers are kind of unique. They'll do brute forcing where they'll guess every number. So mm -hmm. if you ever forgot like a four digit code, one, 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 and you're trying to guess it, you do one, 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 two, one, 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 three. Right. You're going to be there a while, but that's brute forcing. You're trying mm -hmm. every combination possible. Well, that's what this does for me. It'll do every possible combination, uppercase, lowercase, special character, but it could take forever. Mm -hmm. The longer your password, the harder it is for me to crack. Okay. So long passwords rule. Um, typically 15 characters. Oh boy. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't get popular after after my talks usually because I yeah no you're totally unpopular <laughs> yeah 15 character unique passwords everywhere it's like oh you know but in this specific case they didn't do that I got it cracked in probably 10 minutes but maybe maybe faster than that probably like five minutes uh-huh. went tested it boom got in found another little way that I could jump over boom I'm actually I own their whole system uh, total time was under 10 minutes. Oh, wow. I turn around and I call, call my point of contact and, and he's just kind of laughing. He's like, oh, you're stuck already. So how can I help you? I was like, I'm not stuck. He's like, well, why are you calling? It's like, well, and this is my lesson learned. And for any pen testers out there, don't tell him you got in and how you did. Because as soon as I did, what did he do? He changed his password and he fixed the way that I got in. Right. Uh But I told him, I said, well, you know, I, used a username and password to get in and then i created a, a domain admin account a, a huge global admin type account and he's like oh you did and it was very quiet i kind of hear the chair moving around <laughs> and then i hear some curse words that i don't repeat here and i'm like oh he's found my account and he's like oh, how'd you do it how'd you do it it's like well your password is x and he's just he's like oh man okay like you have a simple password it was easy to crack it's like well how'd you get it and i explained to him and and he went through and changed his password you know disabled my account and forced me to find another way in right i did but it only took it took about an hour but yeah found another way in but that was the that was the surprisingly easy one because it was so it was such build up and it's like oh you're not going to get in here and then you know 10 minutes later i'm calling him and he's pretty embarrassed oh Especially man okay so so let, let's get into the nuts and bolts of this just just quick here because i'm so curious so let's say i wanted to be like you right uh-huh. i wanted to break in to a system right and of course i would have permission because that's what we do but um like where do you start like you open up your computer do you have special programs that you go into for this or like what's the how does it like take me through a little step-by-step like learning hacking 101 is you find some sort of a capture the flag exercise because you're going to get tons of help and there are they're called ctfs capture the flag and those are just little mini mock hack hack competitions and with ctfs you're going to get a lot of people who are the same level as you advanced level and you're going to be learning so much from so many different people. And when they go through the results, if they ever, if they do a postmortem and they explain, you know, how, how you could have gotten in, there's so much that you can learn from that. And there's so many of them out there. And then now, are they online? Are they conferences? Like, what are we? Most of them are online. Mm-hmm. And you can just Google CTF and you'll find a ton of them. And oh, okay. some, are not, some are a little bit less uh less trustworthy than others okay okay and the sans is great because they are an organization that you know is doing security for security's sake now so, now what is the name of that s-a-n-s okay sans great yeah i've seen them yep okay. and they have hacking challenges and ctfs so i trust them and then there's others you know offensive security has has ctfs there's just tons of them out there and they could be web-based or they could be network-based too that's a great way to learn because then as you're learning a tool, say, take a tool like Nmap, which uh-huh. used to stand for Network Mapper. That's when he, he wrote it. It was originally, originally Network Mapper, but everybody knows it as Nmap. Nmap is a tool that will go through and scan networks and look for you know, open systems, open ports, 
different things that are out there. It's a good way of just kind of gathering an inventory of what I have to attack. Uh-huh. Well, you're not really supposed to use that on just other systems. And if you have one computer, it gets kind of boring to just scan it over and over. So these CTFs, you can use these tools like Nmap and learn different switches and, okay, what does this do? What does that do? You can watch it with other tools as far as sending the traffic over the network. Uh-huh. There's infinite amount of things that, that you can do. Biggest thing I recommend is a, a Linux distribution called Kali, K-A-L-I. And okay. that has all the tools pre-installed. And that is just, that's a great quick toolkit for me. I just load it into a virtual machine and away I go. And I have all my tools. Well, most of my tools. Oh, wow. Okay. It is, it is pretty straightforward. And then there's a number of different books that I'd recommend too. Uh-huh. Okay. What, what books? Just so we know. Oh, one, of the, one of the, my favorite ones is the Hacker Playbook. And it's in version three now. Uh-huh. And that walks through. So you want to be a pen tester. The Hacker Playbook, it says, okay, we'll load this on your machine. Make sure that you change this this way. Customize this this way. Update this for this. and after you run through the book, then it's written kind of like a football analogy. You know, here's the long bomb where you're, you're going to score the touchdown, but it's less likely to happen. Okay. Here's, do it. You know, here's the short yardage things where you, it's always going to work, but mm-hmm. you, know, you just have to keep doing it. And it's, it's written very well. It sets up your machine and then it has you start to go through and use the tools. And it's a great book. And it's written more as a reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's the, uh, the red, red Team Field Manual, which is another great one. And that's where, you know, I can't remember a command line for a certain tool. Well, that one's awesome because it has all of those just as shortcuts for me. It's not really a book you read. It's a reference. Got it. And then there's also a blue team field manual too, but I haven't been doing too much blue team stuff. But blue team, defenders, red team, typically the aggressive offensive guys. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Okay. It and the hackers you do know will be groaning as I say that, but or, you know, the 10 cent version or definition that we'll go with that. So. Got, okay. Okay. So, um, I had a great question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did. I, you got me sucked into this red team, blue team thing. Um, well, just to make it different, you've got purple too. So we would do purple team assessments where uh-huh. we would have an engineer that usually does the attacking sit with the blue team and say, okay, I, I know, I know Brandon over here. I know he's going to be doing one, two, and three. So pull up this tool and see if you can find him as he's doing those scans. And so that's what the purple team is. You're kind of working with the blue team to catch the red team. And oh. those defenders, they're like, oh no, 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 you can't do that. It's like, no, he just did. You need to go see it. <laughs> oh my like, gosh. And a lot of it, from a defender's perspective, you just don't know what you don't know. Right, right. And that's, purple teams are fantastic for that. Because huh. you can really sit with them and say, okay, I just ran this tool. You see all that, all that garbage traffic. This time it's legit. Nine times out of 10, it's just garbage. This time it's real because it's coming from me and it's a pointed attack. Right. And they get to see it real time. And it, it, it changes how they look at things. So okay. there's a purple team too. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So have to ask this because we have the election coming up. Uh-huh. Voting machines. Mm-hmm. Tell me, you're smiling because I didn't have to hardly say it. What do you know about hacking voting machines? Because what, here's what I've heard is that at some of these conferences, they're bringing the voting machines in, all the different kinds of them, and going through with a fine-tooth comb how to hack these things. And it's supposed to be pretty easy. But what do you know? How... Uh, 
because I think we could really dive into this for a whole separate podcast if, if we um, wanted to. What's the reality of being hacked? Is it really affecting the results of the election? Uh, there's foreign countries. Tell me, what do you know? Really with voting machines, I get concerned because somebody somewhere is writing the software. The software is meant to work, not to be secure. And that's what developer, and not default developers, that's what they're getting paid for. They're getting paid to get software out there as soon as possible. And we live, we you know, work and live in a very competitive environment. If I'm slow to get to the market, I could really cause a negative impact for my business. So developers are incentivized to get code out as soon as possible, not secure code. So that speed to market has a cost. There's always gonna be some vulnerability. May, it may be very hard to exploit and very low risk, but there's always gonna be some sort of a vulnerability. Um, and I do know some great developers that do very, very good with their code. Majority are just, you have to get it out there so fast and you do the best you can with what you know. Mm -hmm. Fundamentally, these voting machines are running software that somebody's written. Like for um, the Iowa, where they, they had this lap. Oh, the app, right, in Iowa, yeah, yeah. yeah somebody wrote this app really quickly. And for their primaries. Secure, but it wasn't secure, and it was somebody who had to get this out the door extremely quickly. They used vulnerable libraries, vulnerable code. They didn't know any better. And again, what we don't know can hurt us. And that's the case with security and with voting machines. And years ago, there was one big company that wouldn't let anybody look at the source code, wouldn't let anybody look at these because of DMCA or you know, whatever protections they were hiding behind because it was full, filled full of holes. It was Swiss cheese. Now, whether or not they knew that was a different story, I'm still kind of remembering that and I don't trust it. Inherently, if there's a computer there that I'm supposed to trust, I want some sort of proof. I want some sort of assurance that I can trust it. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel that way with voting machines. I don't know who controls them. I don't know what their motivation is or isn't. Um, you know, I'm kind of an old fashioned go back to paper guy as far as elections. Well, and, and now I was wondering, because there's this big um, uh, riff right now about if paper voting is more secure, less secure, it's very, um, politicized and you know me and my husband we love uh mail-in voting but again i don't trust the like th those envelopes are pretty uh easy to spot right and so what we do is is fill it out on paper and take it down to the courthouse and they have this uh, big mailbox kind of thing out in front it's not a mailbox but it's a voting uh ballot collection box and we put them in there and so in your mind because we got russia we got ukraine we got a lot of people with th that are taking some pretty big efforts to affect our election whether it's fake news whether it's out and out hacking the system what is your idea and in, in on what is safer is it mail is it the voting machines Yes, yes, and no, I guess, or no, no, and yes. <laughs> really, it comes down to risk. And even, even where my preference is, is to go back to paper, as mm -hmm. soon as I say that, there's risks with paper. Sure. Because who's controlling the paper? I'm giving it to the, to the bad nefarious agent who's outside collecting them, and mm -hmm. he looks official because he's got a badge. 
-hmm. So I'm handing it to him and I'm thinking I'm safe, but it's really the bad guy. There's all kinds of different ways to attack different systems. And that's where it comes back to, you know, what's the real attacker? What's the real risk? What's the impact if it does happen? Mm -hmm. Computer systems, I just, because I work with them, I, I tend to be more paranoid about the computer system. Mm -hmm. But yet people are fundamentally the issue here, even for social engineering. If I can convince you to click on, click on a link, you know, during Christmas, I, you know, your Amazon package is going to be delivered back to the store, you know, click this link. People are going to click that link. Mm -hmm. People are the weakest link. So that's what I would be attacking for the entire voting aspect is attacking the people aspect, be it social engineering, be it, you know, getting votes that are sent to different precincts that then can't be counted, or there's all kinds of different attack mechanisms that, that could be possible there. Is it safer one way or another? Depends what kind of controls are in place and who ultimately is overseeing those controls too. Mm -hmm. I know they tested. Uh, like the Iowa, they, they, they were moving so quick that they didn't test it. Had they tested it, maybe a different outcome, maybe minimize the impact. Mm -hmm. um, so I, it's, it's a tough one because as soon as I say it's one thing, there's so many attack vectors there. So do you think that there's enough um, taking the fake news out, right? And just the general public opinion, okay? Do you think that there's enough interference in the way that we vote now, either social engineering wise or just out and out taking control of a voting box? Is there enough to swing the election? Given that we have the electoral college, and the whole thing, like, what's, what is the bottom line here? You're, you're, the, you're the man with the answer. What do, you, what do you think? There are very intelligent people that know how to game any system. Mm -hmm. and, any system. and that is what a lot of us spend our lives doing is learning how systems work to make them do other things. There are a lot of nefarious people that are wanting those systems to break and not function. Yes, it's possible. And yes, I do believe no matter what we do, there will be influence felt. There, it's too easy for me to sit in a basement, you know, packing up my Mountain Dew and just hacking away on a keyboard and affecting things that I never could before. Mm -hmm. My reach as just a single person is huge. It's all over the entire world. Mm -hmm. Amplify that by a nation state that has unlimited funding. Yeah. It, it's it's not a, not painting a pretty picture Got and it. then we have bipartisan politics where you know this points to that and it's well this person's that well we can't do that we don't have our best in mind we're, we're fighting for our limited belief structures saying oh no no i'm i have this letter in front of my name so that means this mm -hmm. and, well not always and i i think until we can stop the bipartisan and come back to United States mm -hmm. instead of you know divided states, which that's a tactic. That is a propaganda tactic that mm -hmm. is very popularized by a foreign country. Oh yeah. That's what they do is they divide and conquer. They've done that very well here. Be it social media, be it, oh my goodness, you know, if you do this, it causes that. And it's like there's no correlation there. But right, now, right. Sudden, massive amounts of people are believing X and Y equals Z when it there's no there's no proof. No there. correlation, right? Yeah. Wow. Well, we heard it here. We heard it here from the hacker about voting machine problems. So, um, okay, Brian, 
what's the one last thing if you could leave people with a message about how to protect themselves what would it be passwords passwords make sure you're using long passwords and don't share them uh you know the the little the little computers that we have here oh you can't see it but there we go oh your phone there it is yeah yeah don't don't just hand that to somebody somebody comes up and says hey hey tracy can i borrow your phone real quick i'm sorry i don't do that Mm -hmm. Don't unlock your phone for people and you use some sort of passphrase on your phone. Mm -hmm. these, these computers are insanely powerful. They have our whole lives on them. Oh, yeah. Playing into your bank account and I don't have to authenticate all. All you need to do is just type in a code or you don't have a code. Use, use passwords. Lock people out of things. Realize that bad people will do bad things. And it's not that they're targeting you or your listeners. It's just bad people do bad things. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people out there that just want to set the world on fire and watch it burn. I'm not one of those. I want to go put out the fire and I want to find out who did it and educate them. But, well, more than educate, but yeah, that's where I, would, I come from. I want to help others so that the fire doesn't start. And right now, we have these powerful, insane computers, laptops, iPads. So many people leave them open. You know, I see people when I was traveling for, you know, airports, they just leave their devices and get up and walk away. And I'm sitting there going, um, 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 um. It, I don't, I have no idea why you would do that and trust, but verify, but maybe not even trust at first. Maybe, you know, have somebody show you that it's worthwhile, but like sharing your phone, don't ever do that. Right. Yeah. People. Simple little things that we yeah. take for granted of being nice. Like we want to be nice, but like maybe we could be classy and not give everything away. Right. So. Yes, exactly. I think we can do that. You've been a big help. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great to have this kind of chat with you. A lot of geeks, so a lot of geek speak. So if, you're, if your listeners need translations, let me know. I'm more than happy to translate all those terms. Oh, right. Now, now how can people find you? Because let's, let's talk about that. Um, this is your chance for a little commercial, right? So if people want to hire you either to break into their systems or to uh, speak, because you're a great speaker, uh, how, how can they find you? Really, my website's going to be the best one, and it's mm -hmm. brianselfspeaks.com, and that has all my contact information on there, you know, emails, everything. So that'd be the best place to go. And then you can, if you want to watch any videos, you know, you can do that too. I've got a few videos out there, but uh, some mostly me griping about passwords and use multi-factor authentication everywhere you can. If you right. can get some other second factor, you lower your risk significantly, even if it is text messaging. But... There's an attack for that too. Of course there is, yeah. All right, well, thank you so much, Brian. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.